Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the School of Unlearning. Clearly, this is not Joshua speaking. This is Jordan. I'm here with Paul this morning and our friend Grace. Heyo. So, it's been a couple weeks, Paul. It has been. We took a little hiatus. Yeah. Um, we did our two-week series called Untrusted. Yep. And um, uh, both Shu and I uh, looked at each other and said, do you really want to get together and talk <laughs> about that? And yes, of course. But, um, <laughs> Always. <laughs> So we took a couple weeks off, and that yeah. feels good. And we will take some, uh, probably like six weeks off this summer. Oh, sure. Just to manage our our vast listenership. Mm-hmm. You know, it, this is a worldwide thing. It is. My huh? mom listens in Lake Nebagam, Wisconsin. So it goes as far as Lake Nebagam. Wow. So it's it's kind of, it's a thing. It's a deal. That's considered worldwide? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. It's all a matter of perspective. If you oh, live yeah, sure. in, you know... You know, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It, well, it, well <laughs> if you live in South Africa, well, then yeah, Lake Nebagam oh, sounds right. exotic. You're right. We have people that listen in Australia to we the do. Student Life podcast. There you go. That's what I'm saying. In World, Europe, world we have no idea who they are. We but have they people listen. in the Mid East who listen, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, in yeah. a country that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Um, he who shall not be named. <laughs> so, what kind of curveballs are you going to throw at us today? Today, we're going to talk about. Um, uh, Several things. First of all, I need to know your position on the sweater, not sweater <laughs> controversy. Uh, it's a sweater and a sweatshirt. Thank they are you. Two distinct. Thank things, you. In uh, my opinion, I knew you were a good and godly man, Jordan. <laughs> Wait, Grace. I was gone for the whole thing. Oh, you don't know what's going on. I don't know, like oh, the boy. argument. I just know you and Shua disagree. Shua calls everything a sweater. Like I mean, a. So this is a sweater that I'm wearing. Yes, which is a crew neck sweatshirt. Okay. And and. My thing is, is a sweater is like made of wool. And like Mr. Rogers. It, it can be a button down. It can be a cardigan. There are categories within the semantic range <laughs> of sweater. Uh, but you cannot call, like so, what you're wearing, you're wearing kind of a button down. Yeah. It looks lovely, by the way. It's red. Thank good you. color. You get compliments every time, every you, time, wear time I wear the shirt, someone says something. It's a good color for you. <laughs> Thank you. And, I'm just um, so honored. Yeah, there you go. And so uh, that, you, you call that a sweater? Are you wearing a sweater today? Uh, no. Shua would. Shua could. <laughs> because Shua is wrong. So he thinks even... Uh, hooded sweatshirts. Hooded, hooded items are sweaters oh, as absolutely. well? absolutely. sweater. A hoodie is a sweater. Everything's a sweater. So that's my point, is that how can you be that wrong? And I, I feel like... <laughs> how can you be that wrong? I, I, I think it's dishonest. So if he's lying us, to us about that, what else is he lying yeah, to us? Yeah, seriously. So, um, he's not here, to, he's not he's here to defend you himself. when you're not even here. He's, and I'm sure he's not going to listen to this. Probably not. He's not. <laughs> he did say this was going to be the hill that he would die on. So Oh, oh. I know. I know. So, of course, this ended up being a thing where my daughter... Uh, Olivia, who is my good daughter because she agrees with me, and my daughter, Abigail, who somehow has bought in the twisted cult-like logic of Joshua. In his sweater. Yeah, in his sweater cult, um, uh, has uh, has agreed with him. And so she made him a sweater, a sweatshirt that had on it sweater. And I said, I want one that says not a sweater. And then, of course, we wore it on Sunday. Yeah, that was Confusing the vast number. You, you didn't even say anything <laughs> nope, about it. You nope. just let it sit. It was like, <laughs> it's like an inside that? joke. Yeah. Inside. And all the podcast people going, ha, 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 yeah. <laughs> Got him. Yes. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Th- this is obviously, I think it's obvious, although I think there's some people who actually invested in this. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, obviously a t- tongue-in-cheek thing. Oh, for yeah. sure. We, we've talked about how in this world mm-hmm. where in politics we die on arguments about words so semantic arguments mm-hmm. and um 
and we do what we're jokingly doing to Shua. We vilify the other side. We <laughs> we use hyperbole. We use uh, ad hominem arguments. We just attack the person, right. um, which is so much fun when he's not here. You know, so it's a <laughs> form of bullying, and um, how maybe as Christians we shouldn't do that. And yeah. arguments about words don't matter, and it really doesn't matter whether you call it a sweater or a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't change the fact that Shua is wrong. <laughs> But that's just kind Sorry, of Shua. So that's that controversy. Well, I think I'm with you on that one. Thank you. I don't call it a crew neck either. I call it a nuddie. A nuddie? No hood. No hood. You see, this is Orwellian. Orwell <laughs> changes words. Oh, my goodness. Words mean things. Yeah. This could lead to the undoing of Western civilization as we know it. Seriously. Well, Which don't even get into the drinking fountain versus bubbler <laughs> conversation. Oh, our Coke and pop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a very big bubbler. Uh, speaking of words. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. Good transition. We are we are in a series in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways that are about words. is about yeah. how we talk about things because a lot of times, not a lot of times, actually how we talk about things, linguistics is an indication of how we think about things, which sure. is what philosophers call, you know, how we talk about knowing things or epistemology or what it means for something to exist. Anyway, the 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 the, the whole series we're in right now is all about, um, it's a theological series. So sometimes we do a book series, sometimes we do a text series, sometimes we do a topical series. This is a theological series. And it really is about discovering a theology of the body, mm. a theology of what we mean when we say we have a body. And that may seem, you know, real nuanced or real niche, but it's super important. I actually think a huge part of the confusion we have, the conflict we have, has to do with the fact that um, we don't know as Christians what the Bible teaches, what Christ taught, what historical Christianity taught about this thing of of having a body. Is our body a good thing? Is our body a bad thing? Um, Because most worldviews, people don't realize this, actually have a worldview that the body is somewhere between immaterial matter, so it doesn't really matter, all the way to an evil thing. Mm. So in the time when Christianity came on the scene, there were two extremes that tended to dominate. One was the body was just material, so this was the the a version of Judaism, and, and therefore, um, you know, when your body's gone, you're gone, and so everything that happens happens while you're in the body, which is kind of matching the modern materialist view. And then the other extreme was something called Gnosticism, which is a, 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 a blanket concept, a blanket term for a lot of different movements. But the whole essence of Gnosticism said a lot of things, but the essence of it was that the material universe is an evil thing, and it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the theologically, many Gnostics believe that lesser gods rebelled against the higher gods and made the, the world and now um, enslaved the human spirit. And so this actually comes from Plato. If you ever read Plato, Plato's kind of main metaphor was the cave that uh, he said, we're all like in a dark cave and we can see shadows on the wall. So we know there's real substance that's making the shadow, but we, all we can see is shadow where we're in the shadow lines. Even C.S. Lewis picks up some of this. So the shadows are the the understanding that there's real concrete things. But because we're enslaved in this cave, the flesh, the, the humanity, we can't really be our true selves. And so the, 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 the um, key is to, um, to, to emphasize that what's important is knowledge and spirit as opposed to the body. And this, this is, expresses itself in Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, even, even Islam has a very low view of the body. But we as Christians have believed this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. We believe that when God created the world, he actually said, it's good. Mm-hmm. I did it on purpose. I did it intentionally. It's an act of love. It's an act of holiness. 
Um, and therefore, um, the material universe is a good thing. And, and um, you know, trees, birds. And then when he got to humanity, he said, not only am I going to make this material, wonderful, beautiful thing, I'm also going to breathe into it and make humans in my image. And when I created them, I made them very good. And so um, the understanding is not that humans are a compartmentalized thing where we got our mind and our body and our spirit, but the idea of having a soul is the whole integrated thing. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a hard thing for even Christians to get a hold of, the idea that we will always, according to Christian belief, have a corporeal existence, a physical existence. And so we are embodied spirits, and that is a very good thing. And so we got to figure out what it means to live in the body. What we got to figure out what it means to have a body. This, of course, is complicated because, you know, brokenness and sin uh, have come into the world. And so we got a lot to figure out about what happens if our body is not the body we want. What happens if the body isn't working the way we want? What if we have a conflict in our mind that's affecting our body or a conflict in our desires? And so the implications of this topic are absolutely huge mm -hmm. because right now Christians don't realize, um, it's amazing how many Christians don't realize they're actually closet materialists. They're actually, you know, philosophically in worldview, um, more in line with the atheists than they are with the Christians. Um, we even see it in the movies. Um, you see it in the Marvel movies, you see it in anything about multiverse, anything about, you know, I was in this body and now my actual self was moved in this body, which is a very common theme in science fiction. So my body doesn't matter. Hmm. But, and, and even biologically, we know that's true, that, that the brain is a, you know, both chemical and it seems to be something more than chemical. So if you take away that part of the physical body, you're not going to be you without your body. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, this has implications. You, you know, you switch, you know, gender. Is gender different than biological sex? You have implications about, you know, golly, um, the environment. How are we supposed to take care of this planet? So this is just a huge topic that, for me, um, as I started thinking about this, last year about, you know, how can we shepherd our people through this time that's very, very confusing where things that were assumed are now being not only questioned, but the app opposite is being advocated, um, as a, as a point of morality, as a point of justice, mm -hmm. how can we shepherd our people through that? And, and I found great joy and comfort in going back into, um, you know, historical Christianity and the early church fathers, mm -hmm. because the, the cool thing is, is that the spirit of the age that we live in right now with this, this dualism, this dichotomy between flesh and spirit and uh, uh, between body and body and spirit um, is the exact same dichotomy that Christianity was born into the exact same. Mm -hmm. And how, and, and pe people don't realize, we think there's a lot of ideas now the worldviews, the swirling worldviews that were the Roman world uh, is stunning because think about what Rome was. Rome was not a thing. It was a, it was a merging of hundreds of cultures with all their own gods, all their own identities, all their own ideas, and they're all competing for space, and they were merging together and making new things. I mean, the number of religions, the number of cults, the number of worldviews that were coming together to make up Rome um, was stunning. And so you'd have places, we read about in the Book of Acts, like the Areopagus, you know, uh, that place where um, Paul went and he preached the gospel. It was a place where it said they just met and they exchanged ideas. 
and it says there were Stoics and there were Epicureans and there were all the different philosophers there. And then Paul shows up and he starts talking about this idea that there's one God who lovingly created the universe and people would go, Oh brother, he obviously hasn't read Plato, you know, and that, um, you know, started talking about Christ and the resurrection and mm-hmm. that there's life beyond and all these things that we just take for granted, mm-hmm. that would have been absolute nonsense, absolute nonsense. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is in that marketplace of ideas, um, why did Christianity win? Mm-hmm. Why did it win? What do you guys think? It's <laughs> kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I think it, it maybe won because it was a better all-encompassing viewpoint. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't answer just one side of it. It brought the two together and said, well, maybe it should be both. What if it's both? I think that's right. I think I, I tend to believe that the truth is found between two points of extreme. That usually is the case. Um, that I don't know. June and I have talked about this. I don't know how the word moderation became a bad word. You know, mm-hmm. that I'm a more moderate person or um, a more balanced person or I believe in compromise, even within compromise of ideas, that this idea that an idea being challenged by a new idea can go through this process, not of conflict, but a confluence and then have a better understanding, a clear understanding, only to be challenged by another idea. Mm-hmm. The thing about Christianity is that um, it really is a very moderate idea. It came into the world with um, this understanding of if we're only spirit, well, then there's a lot of problems. It gets really messy. Mm -hmm. If we're only body, it's complicated. But if we're somehow or another magically with a lovingly God making us something more than that, an embodied spirit, it's amazing how much, how clear things get and Mm -hmm. how simple things get. So it was a better idea. So I I tend to think Christian one because it was right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other thing is, and, and this is, this is probably the biggest thing I wanted to communicate this last weekend is that the people who believed in Christianity, the original Christians, did not look at as Christianity on something that they were trying to impose on others. Sure. They they did not see this as a plan to change culture. Now, it, it, it's going to change culture, but it, it changes culture by changing people. Mm-hmm. And so there are, they, I mean, these are people without any political power. They don't have any money. They don't have any influence. I mean, Paul said of them, not many of you are influential. Not many of you had had great stuff, but... But, but you, you know, um, you, you were simple folks and they came together and they did not think about if this is true, how should they live? How should right. the world live? How should these people live? It was how I should live. Mm-hmm. And they, they started doing some radical, crazy, crazy stuff that would have seemed like absolute nonsense to, um, to, uh, the average person. So, so take, you know, sexuality for instance, they started saying things like, okay, God created the world and uh, he created me and it was a good thing. He's given me this body and this body is a holy thing. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I shouldn't use it for common ordinary things. So I shouldn't do what everybody else is going, doing, going up to the temple prostitutes or sleeping around or just whatever feels good do. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm going to restrict myself. And then when it came to marriage, marriage in the Roman world, we're going to talk about this in a couple world, was was actually a horrible thing for everybody except the wealthy man. Mm-hmm. Um, the wealthy man who owned the state, the villa, could have relations with anybody in the villa. <laughs> I mean, so it's like my wife, who, of course, will remain chaste only to me, 
okay, to protect the bloodline. But if I have slave girls, I have slave boys, if I, I could just do whatever. And that, that was not only okay or just tolerated, it was celebrated in the Roman ethos. There, Plato has a whole book on this called The Symposium, where this was actually um, part of being a strong Roman man. Mm-hmm. And so when Paul came on the scene and he said, okay, um, husbands love your wives. We get offended with the, the, the submission passage because we're trying to figure out what the world that means and how that applies in the real world where mm-hmm. we have partnerships in marriage. But the Romans would have said, what? I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loves the church and I'm, I'm supposed to have one wife? Mm-hmm. And, the, and I'm not supposed to, you know, you're, you're saying the slave girl who I used to visit is now my sister in Christ? Mm-hmm. And now that no longer is okay? The thing that would have been deeply offended offensive to the Romans was, was the morality that the Christians chose to live by and how when their slaves and their children and how their rulers started following this, they started living very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they undermined the evil. They lived righteous lives. Mm-hmm. It's a stunning, stunning turnaround. Um, Rome was a, a cesspool of immorality and, and just abuse particularly of women i mean um you know it's an ironic it's an interesting thing because in rome if you were a wealthy man you were a person who had um physical relationships basically sex with a lot of different people you could if you were a a wealthy woman you had with with one man if you were a poor man um, this is why prostitution was such a big deal in Rome. You would go to the temple prostitutes or other prostitutes. And so you had certain women who were prostitutes who were having sex with a lot of different men hmm. um, because horribly, abusively. I mean, it was a terrible thing. And so you had you had then a lot of men having sex with just a few people. It, it was just a twisted, terrible thing. So when Paul came on the scene and he said this crazy idea that there was somebody for everybody, and it was not a taking it was not a, a me using your body to have my needs satisfied. It was a mutual submission, mm-hmm. which is a glorious transformation of what God's intention for sexuality is supposed to be. It turned everything on its ear, that this idea that, that, um, that, that marriage between a man and a woman for life was a protection. It was the best place to raise kids. It was the safest place. It was the, the safest place to keep marriage or sex healthy and rewarding and beautiful. It, we, we, we just assumed that was an old-fashioned idea. That was a radical, crazy idea to the Roman people. Now, today, we're, we find ourselves in full circle, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, just so, as radical today. So we say that to people, and people roll their eyes and say, whatever, you don't understand. Um you end up having this 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 conversation about um boy uh uh that doesn't seem realistic mm-hmm. that doesn't seem in fact we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks um there will be many people say it's not even healthy it's mm-hmm. not even healthy there's a very common movement right now that says having one partner for life is a very unhealthy thing mm-hmm. that that it's um, not good for you you're missing out and particularly materially say this you get one one shot in this life you may as well you know, find fulfillment. I mean, this, this is the whole thing that, you know, Joe Rogan's very popular podcast. He advocates experiment with drugs and mushrooms and all those kinds of things. And basically his argument was, I want to have the most intense, wonderful, incredible experiences I possibly can because when I'm gone, I'm gone. Mm. And so that's kind of the, that's kind of, kind of the logic. That's kind of the reason. Um, um, so for us to come back and say, you know, um, 
you know, what Christians have believed is that the most fulfilling life, the most amazing life you can live is the healthy life. So, so where did this idea that it's not healthy, it's, it, um, it, it, it's, it's not healthy to just live with one person. Well, it goes back to Freud. So Freud was um, uh, the, mo- the professor of modern psychoanalysis whom everybody who has studied Freud in terms of his actual ideas and the application of ideas have completely dismissed as nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. The whole idea, everything was sex for Freud. Everything, every, everything was sex for Freud. And so his whole idea, he was a materialist, he was an atheist, and, um, and, 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 uh, and so his idea is that if you have these desires in your body and you deny them, that will create psychosis, that will create mental illness. Okay. So, so you have to listen to what your body wants, listen to what you want and then go for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that, that will, that will, um, that will, um, bring for human. There've been other philosophers, other ideals, um, that have brought this particularly in the materialist world Foucault and um, Dierdes, who are two philosophers, were very, um, they were sexual, uh, they did a lot of stuff sexually, weird stuff sexually. Um, Marquis de Sade is a name you may have heard before. He's a French guy. Uh, he was uh, scary. Uh, but all these guys just, they, they, they went to seed on that. What we have found out, I think, is that, and what Christians have said, is that when you, when you realize that God has given you desires, but at times your desires get disordered mm-hmm. and then you learn to deny those desires in an appropriate way, that actually leads to things like perspective, resilience. It leads to things like self-control. It actually makes you a stronger, more well-adjusted person that there's actually value in denying what you want. Mm-hmm. And that, the opposite seems to be that when you give in to every desire, that's when psychosis comes. That's when addiction comes. That's mm-hmm. when compulsion comes. That's when you lose the ability to bond mm-hmm. with people. Anyway, so again, th- this whole conversation is just so important with so many implications of, um, of, of having a good theology of the body. What's it mean to be in the body? Uh, this last weekend, we looked at that term body, the Greek word soma. It's everywhere in the New Testament. And, the, and I was stunned when I did a study of it. Um, the key places it's found, I mean, that we're called to make our bodies a living sacrifice, that what we do in the body matters. Now, and not only that, the, the big point being what we do to our own bodies matter, but what we do to the bodies of others matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that this is a huge thing. And then this week we're going to be talking about that concept of flesh. What does it mean to not be driven by the flesh, not be owned by the flesh, not be overwhelmed by the flesh? So it's just, it's coming back to, um, to a good theology of the body about how we're supposed to live. Because like I say, so many Christians are closet materialists. They're living this life that I got to get everything out of this life because you only go around once. Mm-hmm. We, we don't actually believe that. We don't actually believe you only go around once. We actually believe in eternity. And so it changes, it changes all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So, so one of the things I'm excited about in terms of this series is that you guys are watching it with your students. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause when we first started talking about this series, it was kind of a little bit of a freak out for everybody. Cause like, yeah. you know, this obviously has implications for 
sexual purity, LGBT, mm-hmm. transgender questions, all those kinds of things. How's it going talking with your students? What I mean, you only had one week and mm-hmm. it was pretty long technical message for <laughs> middle schoolers. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we had like, I think, what was 24. it, 20, 24 kids? Awesome. Um, 20 of them were middle schoolers, so like you said, it was a, it was a long... <laughs> process um but it was a good process and like it, it's int- when we we had a few minutes at the end to kind of quickly before we had to dismiss um debrief and it was interesting to see what they like pulled out of it pulled yeah. out um yeah. compared to like what adults would down on right. your end right and like like one of the kids said something about like are we are we sure we want to make everybody mad? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know if this is a and good he's idea. Like, I don't know. And I was like, I totally get it. Like, and that was I was like, in cheek. That was yeah, a joke. We were, like everyone has opinions, and we're just trying to find a, a area together. And mm-hmm. and but it was interesting. Like, I mean, like of course, being students, they when you opened with the Will Smith and Chris Rock thing, mm-hmm. yeah, that like, and they all saw it. They're on social media, right. and they see memes and yep. like videos, and mm-hmm. and that was honestly one of the talking points of like how should that have been handled and right. then it, it brought back to like a quick conversation about like right. not just honoring yourself but like honoring other people's bodies as mm-hmm. well whether mm-hmm. that's like saying things about them or physically mm-hmm. doing something because that was something and that was two things that happened in that instance was vocally saying something about right. not honoring someone's body and then um physically not honoring someone's body Mm -hmm. so it was just interesting to hear there they were like we were like what would you do instead yeah because they asked us do you think it was right for will smith to To hit chris Chris. and i said well what do you what do you think i told the old paul dad method of like ask them a question question back around (laughs) i never answer questions never just ask more but they were just like i think they should have just talked about it yeah and been like more open they said chris rock shouldn't have made that joke about someone's health problems and yeah. I was like, you're totally right. He shouldn't mm-hmm. have. A body image thing at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like, we've talked about, that's something they're dealing with oh. on a daily basis. We have just conversations what they're exposed about, to yeah. every day. How, how does this, talk a little bit about that. How does this, this theme of body, what, what, what is it, how does it manifest itself in students' lives? What, how, what are the implications for students' lives? Oh gosh, this is a whole nother episode. Yes. I mean, <laughs> just think about if we think back to our days between 12 and 18 years old your body is changing daily yes physically yes but then your mental capacity and your hormonal changes and they're all trying to figure it out right yes and none of us well grace i think was the exception that grew up with social media at that age yeah i didn't have social media you didn't have social media in the era a little bit facebook and onward so it was enough to go to school or play on the sports team and have to deal with these other people whose bodies are either maturing faster than you or slower than you Yep. and seeing all these things and thinking all these things and where do I go with all this stuff? And now they pull out this supercomputer from their back pocket oh. and they see airbrushed human beings who yeah. look like perfection and look at themselves and say, well, I'm never going to be that. Yeah. And it's immediately, and it's not just for girls. No, you know, 100%. Oh, no, it's, it's not, for guys no. too that I'm never going to be strong enough. Yeah. I'm not going to be handsome enough. No one's going to find me attractive. I'm never going to get a girlfriend. Like <sighs> all these different things. It's an epidemic. I think you said that word in your message too. Mm-hmm. Like if we can't get this right, and you said that I think when you were talking to the parents at the end of just if you're not telling your kids oh, at a yes. young age about yeah. the importance of their body, if you're not talking to them about how they should understand their bodies, you're someone else from is. the very, <laughs> very <laughs> early stages. Yeah. Right. This is your body. It's special. It's important. It's yeah. holy. You should keep it special. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a conversation Grace and I have weekly with students. Yeah. You know that 
you know, they're struggling with things, you know, whether it's um, peer pressure to wear something that they don't feel like they should wear or, you know, my friends are doing this thing and I just don't know if that's what I want to do. And, you know, you talk about transgender and LGBT mm-hmm. and abortion, you know, we just had a and a night with our high schoolers last week mm-hmm. and those types of questions came up yep. and we, you know, we know that they're wrestling with these because every day they're surrounded by people that have differing views. And yep. so I think it's a much needed topic. I think yeah. it's something that you walk with people on, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a journey. We talk about that a lot around here at church. Um, we're all we're all trying to figure out what it means to be embodied spirits mm-hmm. and middle and high school students are at a very pivotal time in their life where, where they're trying one way or yeah another. they're trying yeah. to choose like who do I want to be yeah and what is how does cultural influence and church influence um their thoughts on that so yeah it's yeah. a it's a very yeah what are you seeing grace um i think the one thing i've seen at least just specifically with me being with middle schoolers every Wednesday is the things that it actually makes me really sad. The things that they're exposed to. Um, I mean, we've, we, you said it, they have a computer in their back pocket and it, the things that they're exposed to at sixth and seventh grade were things that Mm. I was not exposed to until 18, 19, 20. And it like is terrifying to, to realize that those kids are learning and like, seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing even and if they're not choosing to. even if they're not choosing to so you're like you said it it is it, it's starting young you know, and that you, was what's the sad part well and you think about all the concepts of body image you think about its relationship to athletics correct mm-hmm. you think about its relationship to um anorexia and cutting mm-hmm. what people don't realize these issues are are very real mm-hmm. you think about um, the, the conversation about gender and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember distinctly, this may be too much information, but I remember distinctly the first time I noticed a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at, um, I, I must have been, I must have been at least in eighth or ninth grade. Sure. I mean, where I really noticed a girl because I was actually with a group of guys and a girl walked in and one of the guys made a comment about something about the girl. And I remember looking and I remember thinking to myself, Oh, I see what you mean. I mean, it was just that moment. Mm-hmm. But I was I was older. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and and uh normal, natural part of it, making sense of it. Uh, but now, I mean, these kids are seeing things that aren't real. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're manufactured. I mean, that's the funny thing about even the shows we watch when we watch Game of Thrones or any number, every show's now has got gratuitous, you know, sexual things. You're not unless you're watching pornography, you're not watching people have sex. You're watching people pretend they're having sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not real. Yeah. And and for us to recognize that that's not real mm-hmm. and that's not fulfilling, it's not satisfying. And anybody who's dove into that recognizes how unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. And, and these kids are being, when their brains aren't developed, when they're yeah. not fully coming alive, and then it, it causes things to jump forward. Right. It really is a, is a big, <laughs> a challenging um, kind of, kind of, uh, uh, boy, season for us to kind of shepherd them. You know, one of the things I wanted to do in this message, I, pro- I obviously tried to do too many things, but <laughs> an opening message, you say everything you're going to say, and then you spend yeah. four weeks saying it again, yeah. a little better, a little deeper, a little sure. more clearer, is to normalize struggle with our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things that has really, particularly in relationship to transgender conversations, has really... Um, um, 
really confused that were confused brought a lot of a lot of confusion so i have a real good friend who's transgender who i've been talking to about this and um working through that and this is a christian person who's trying to make sense about this whole thing um and 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 one of the things we would talked about is how you know the the transgender narrative is um a big part of it is that i don't feel comfortable in my body mm-hmm. okay and particularly with how gender is defined and and we've changed the difference between biological sex and gender mm-hmm. and um and it's a very confusing conversation and so the idea is okay if a kid is struggling with that idea and we don't validate the struggle as you know, this means this or this means that. Somehow or another, we're going to hurt the kid. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do is come back, because I started thinking about this, and I said, okay, well, I mean, I, I have not struggled with that particular issue, but boy, I've struggled with a lot of issues with my body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I struggle with weight. And so for me, that thing of, boy, I wish my body wasn't like that. I've struggled as a teenage boy and beyond teenage boy with all kinds of attractions that were not healthy. Um, there are, you know, regrets about how we look. And I joke mm-hmm. about not having hair. I really don't care about not having hair. Um, <laughs> but, but all of us have this thing with body. And then, I mean, to have a physical illness. Mm-hmm. So if a daughter grew up with a significant gen- genetic de- deal that she will deal with every day, rest of her life, mm-hmm. that's her body. What does that make sense? And then as you guys don't know, cause you're so young, um, but I'm getting older now and I'm having to just begin to make peace with the fact that I can't do things that I used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Well, so what does that mean? So, so what I wanted to do was to normalize struggle and to give people permission so that we can say to a kid, says, I don't know that I feel, you know, like I'm the right gender. I don't feel like I'm attracted to the right. I, I feel like I maybe I'm attracted. That's your version of struggle. And it's real and significant. There's going to be a place, safe place where you can struggle with that. Mm-hmm. But all of us have areas of struggle mm-hmm. in that way. We're all in this together. Yeah. And and hopefully what that will do, one is it'll give everybody permission to struggle with their body. Mm-hmm. The other thing it will do is it'll take away the judgment mm. that we tend to say, oh, I didn't struggle with that, and I'm going to put that in a worse category of struggle, mm-hmm. you know, because that one makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't know. You think that's a message that students could receive? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, good. I hope so. Yeah. I You know, because, again, we're we're in this world where... Um, man, um, I would, I'll say this. I don't want to interject. No, go ahead. Yeah, please do. I think students are more willing to remove the judgment than adults are. Oh, yes. 100%. Because we have been more ingrained in our thinking and we like to fight back a little bit more and they're more open to, all right, I want to listen. I'm, they're more curious. I think that's the word. They're more curious to ask and and understand and empathize and sympathize and, um, yeah, they, I don't know. The generation that we are watching grow up before our eyes is one that cares very deeply. Mm-hmm. And if we can um, teach them the correct theology of the body right, and match that with their heart for people, yeah. I think a lot of stuff could really change. Well, and I think it could give a place for people to land. Man, that could just be, I mean, because, I mean, if you land at the idea that I'm going to totally go in with what the world says, mm-hmm. I mean, just look where that leads. I mean, just yeah. talk to people who've been down that road. There's, these are not people who are investing in life and health and peace. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not happy people. Um, but then to go the other extreme, the old fundamentalist Christian thing of just, that's weird, that's evil, that's bad, to feel that way. I mean, we got to tell, quit telling people that they're evil because of the way they feel or because of their desires or because of their struggle. It's not, it's not wrong, actually, 
to be gay, to be a person who has attraction towards another person. It's not that wrong to feel that I just don't feel like I think I fit into the gender patterns that the culture says I'm supposed to feel into. Mm -hmm. Um, It's what you do with that. It's how you act on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And to come to terms with what it means to be a follower of Christ, you know, in in the midst of that, Mm -hmm. Um, just a huge, huge thing. Mm -hmm. And I do think you're right. I think the younger you are, I mean, even talking with my kids, they just, they just, they don't freak out. They mean, they all have gay friends. They all have transgender. So I had, I had, my house just growing up was full of gay and transgender kids. I had daughters who were, they just had lots of friends and they were always welcome and just super comfortable. And I, they liked coming to my house, you know, and daughter and show choir and all that. And there's plenty of that. And so, um, that, but they are just, they're not only open to it, they, they're protective. Mm-hmm. They're and you protective. said that this week. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. And that, and, and that is something that, um, we should celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, because the church has really been horrible on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're finding our feet more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is on your guys' mind? What thoughts you got? Yeah, I think just, I don't know, the idea of where our culture is. I even read a news article this morning about something that's going to could potentially impact women's sports, yeah. you know, going forward. And that's a conversation of the yep. body and yep. it is, it is everywhere. It's yes. how do we, how do we live this, this life, you know, um, as embodied spirits and, and steward, you use that word this weekend. Yes. Yeah. Like our body is a gift to us and how are we going to take care of it? And there's so many different conversations around that. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. I, I keep going back to where my ideas of, the importance of my body started to like, like what influence did I have? Um, mm-hmm. I remember as a young boy, just struggling with those types of things. Um, a lot of bullying, things like that. But mm-hmm. then having growing up in a Christian home and, and having a healthy understanding of my body, mm-hmm. um, I've had a chronic condition for over 20 years, yeah. you know, with diabetes. And, um, I think that's, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but people that struggle with chronic conditions that are managing them mm-hmm. as best they can. Um, there can be a lot of shame in that too. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're different, yeah. you know, and you can live a normal quote unquote existence. Um, but people, this is something I, I wish I would have known going into it. Um, people will say things yeah. that they, they just don't understand. Right. And that comes with all of these different conversations. Yeah. yeah 100%. Um, they just don't understand, you know, and they'll say something mean. And I feel for people that, you know, feel that judgment and they feel that shame right off the bat because someone doesn't understand mm-hmm. what they wrestle with. So you take that and you, you put it on any of these t- types of conversations. And I think your, your verbiage this weekend of we all need to take a big spoonful of humility yeah. and just understand that we may be off on this yep. in or different things. We may be just a couple degrees off, yep. but it's enough to hurt somebody yep. and it's enough to not really show love um, as Jesus would show love. So right. how can we come back to the place of, um, of how he would see people? So, well, and, and for us to come back and say, okay, well, what, what are the implications of this? Well, the implications begin with how I live right? Yeah. and, and okay, if I'm really worked up about transgender athletes, which is an issue and our culture has got to figure that whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really see how bad that is, but I'm got a closet porn thing right? or, um, or 
I just, you know, overeat yeah. or I, I'm completely indifferent to the environment. Sure. Well then, you know, I can't really do anything about that other issue mm-hmm. other than judge it. But what could I do in me to better align myself with God's view of what mm-hmm. it means to be an embodied spirit? Mm-hmm. Right. right. That, that is a huge thing. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was just in terms of stewardship, because I think you do stru- um, do steward your your issue well, because you've had a lot of physical issues. I, you know this, I think. So a major, major turning point in the life of my daughter, Abigail, in terms of making sense of the fact that she has this condition, she's going to have this condition, she's got to figure it out, is actually a sermon you gave mm. about this. It was, a, I mean, to this day, it was a changing point. And so that's an example of, okay, God has entrusted you with, I mean, one of the things we don't talk about is being entrusted with a struggle, mm-hmm. being entrusted with a pain, being entrusted with a story. I think of Tasha Shu, mm-hmm. who, of course, um, um, lives in a wheelchair. It's one of the happiest people I know. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and she sees, okay, this is not the body I wanted. This is not how I wanted it to be. If I could change it, I would. But this is what I'm going to use. I'm going to honor God with my body. Mm-hmm. And you just look at that and you say, okay, all right, that's 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 the kind of thing that the world looks at and says, now, what do they got that yeah, makes them seriously. look at it like that? How do they get that perspective? Because I, what, what do they have now? Mm-hmm. And and that's what turned over the Roman world. One of the things people don't realize about, like, just an example is that Christianity basically undid slavery without ever passing a law in the Roman world. So like up to 60% of towns and some people say up to 50% of people who lived in Rome were slaves. Um, after about two to 300 years of, of Christian influence, slavery went away. Hmm. People just started it just, loving people. <laughs> it, it, well, and it just kind of got into the DNA that, you know, it just doesn't make sense to own somebody else. It just doesn't make sense to anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, no, they found other ways to oppress people and unjust practices and serfdom in Middle Ages and all that kind of stuff. We're always trying to rediscover our theology and our ideals. But the thing that's so stunning to me about that, that's just an example of of things changing because hearts and minds change. Because there was a group of Christians who really lived by this, and their example was so compelling that anything else next to it mm-hmm. just looked like, oh, they're clearly doing something better than we're doing. Right. And at first we're going to persecute it and joke about it and attack it, but then we're going to give it the best possible compliment. We're going to emulate it. We're going to in- imitate it. And um, that's what we're trying to do. If we as Christians would just put the emphasis on these issues about how we live, mm-hmm. and if we would live by our ideals, we not only would live personally better, mm-hmm. <laughs> we would be salt and light in this. You know, you make you make a culture Christian not by passing Christian laws are imposing Christian moralities, but by helping so many people live like Christ, right? Well, it, goes it back, becomes infectious. It goes back to what you said in Revelation. Testimony is not what you say, it's what yes. you do, it's how you live. Yes. So our testimony when it comes to being embodied spirits is that, being yeah. an embodied spirit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Awesome. What else you got? Anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> so Shu and I know we're done. We've got nothing else to talk about. I will just end by this, just as kind of a teaser. So I ended with this list of things at the end of my message this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Just for us to begin to start this week, thinking about the implications of the theology of the body, why it's so important, this is just some of the things that are affected. It's mm-hmm. the general care and stewardship of our bodies, so taking care of our bodies without getting obsessed with body image and, you know, mm-hmm. Um, going crazy with that. Um, sexuality and sexual immorality, same-sex attraction, gender confusion, 
Rape and the exploitation of kids is about the body. Slavery and trafficking is about trying to own someone else's body, someone else's work. Race and racism, which we have not even touched on, is an mm-hmm. issue of being embodied. Oppression of women and sexism, war and violence, um, the proper incarceration and the need for prison reform. Are we doing prisons in a way that is not only just, but smart? Um, and my, my deep conviction is no. Uh, immigration, if there's a pers- not a safe place for a person to put their body or the bodies of their family, what are the implications of that? Poverty and the oppression of the poor is fundamentally, if a person doesn't have physical food to eat, that's an issue of being embodied. Of course, abortion and the protection of the unborn is a major issue related to that. Suicide, euthanasia, care for the elderly, access to accessibility for those who are handicapped, adoption and foster care, uh, caring for the environment. Uh, we should be, Christians should be at the head of the environmental movement. Um, the history of oppression of indigenous people, people who were uh, horribly removed and oppressed um, in land that they were there. Um, and, and of course, it goes on and on and on. And, and one of the points I made and several people have mentioned is is uh, just how we have a tendency to be selective about this. Mm-hmm. If you look at that list, several of these issues, people on the right are going to be like, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. And then they're going to look at others and go, ooh, yeah, that's right. And then people on the left are going to go, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to go, oh, yeah, that's right. This mm-hmm. is not an issue of, um, it's amazing to me. And one of the things I said and I'll say it again because I've already said it and if I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. And I, I just deeply believe this. One of the things particularly conservative Christians get very passionate about is pro-life. And I am passionately pro-life. If I could change and make abortion go away, I would. Okay, if I thought I could do that through laws, I would. I, I don't actually think, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, but, um, but, you know, the person who their version of pro-life has changed Roe versus Wade and that will end abortion. That's naive for one. And two, um, you don't understand abortion is a symptom of things like poverty, breakdown of the family, and lack of education, and lack of empowerment. And so if you don't care about really all these issues, right. then you really can't consider yourself pro-life. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's not and an it, a la carte it, list. It's really yeah. not. And you can't just say this is the thing I care about. It's like the person who cares about trafficking, but maybe they don't care about the unborn, or the person who cares about deeply cares about poverty um, and, and racism, but don't understand the disproportionate number of people of color who are being aborted. I mean, these are, these are, these are blanket. And, and the other thing it does is that if I'm sitting next to a person who's left or right and, 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 and I know they don't care about my issue, they care about their issue. The, the danger is for me to say they, they, they're bad people. They're immoral people. They're not arguing from moral position. Well, they may be arguing the same moral foundation that everyone's created in the image of God. So we should care about the poor. And I'm arguing, well, everyone's creating the image of God, so I, I should care about the unborn. But you're both arguing mm-hmm. a moral position. Mm-hmm. And if you can just start from the point, this is not an evil person, this is not an immoral person, this is not a satanic person, whatever. This is another person who's just attacking the problem from the opposite side. Mm-hmm. Maybe, just maybe, we could find some solutions that neither side would find 100% satisfactory, but it actually would work for the common good mm-hmm. in a much better way. Mm-hmm. So this this is this is again, and it, it I mean it's start with the log in your own eye. It's mm-hmm. turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus one hundred and one applied to how we think about these issues. So, so I really, as the the people of of God, let's just all again settle down, take it like you say, take a big spoon of humility. Let's listen to each other. Let's be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry, 
There's an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and let our Christianity inform how we do these things. So um, that's the big admonition. Um, if you're listening out there on the podcast, it's been fun. Have Grace and Jordan here. Pray for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're out there listening, get involved with our students. That might look like the students in your life, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, might look like volunteering youth group. You guys don't need any more volunteers, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Just a dozens more. Um, the more adults who are properly engaged in, 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 in there, the better we're going to do for mm. that kid who is quietly sitting in the corner and there's not an adult who can get there. Man, we need you. So, um, so yeah, so it's good stuff. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let me have a prayer and then we'll close out. Sounds good. God, you are good. And you have said when you made this world, when you made us, boy, that's good. That's very good. And that should change. Father, all of us just acknowledge there are things we don't like about our body. There's things we struggle with our body. And so we would just ask you to help us make peace with that, uh, live in harmony with the bodies you've given us, look at them as a stewardship and a trust, and help us to just think about how we live. Help us be very, very concerned about how we treat the bodies of other people, things we say about it, things we do to, to treat it, things that we should do to help it that we don't, that we should. It's complicated, and these are not easy conversations. But let our response be that which reflects your son, Jesus, that we would be truly not just Christians by what we profess to believe, but Christians by how we live, and that we really would have the testimony of um, people who know and follow Jesus. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for having us, Paul. You bet. Thanks for being here. You guys did a good job. I'd probably bring you a bag, but, you know. Probably. Well, he's gone next week. Even with the sweater? He's so, so you'll be wrong. back. You'll be back so next wrong. week, but with a different he guest. Is, he is evil about that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> All right. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening.